The following episode of Mental Health Moment is a presentation I gave at Brigham Young University. The views and opinions expressed in this PowerPoint presentation are those of me, Emily Newbold, and do not necessarily reflect the views of Brigham Young University or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you go on the website, emilyknewbold.com, you can follow the PowerPoint. Thanks. Thank you, Emily. She is my new best friend. <laughs> I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day, when I felt the way that I do right now, right now. I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day, when I felt the way that I do right now, right now, right now. Good afternoon. Okay, so I'm really nervous. Um, I had to write breathe on my hand, so <laughs> yay, anxiety. Okay. <laughs> Today we'll be talking a little bit about depression and anxiety. And our goals for this session, we get to increase our understanding about depression and anxiety, so what they look like and what they feel like. We're also going to discuss what we can do if we are living with anxiety and or depression. We'll talk about how we can help others feel safe in opening up to us and how we can overcome that social stigma or shame to seek professional help. And finally, we're going to talk about how we can help those struggling find faith and comfort in Christ. Okay, depression. <clears throat> Unfortunately... It's the new normal. One in four people in the world will be affected by mental illness at some point in their life. So if we just look at everyone in this auditorium, either you or someone sitting very close to you is going to be dealing with some mental health stuff during their lifetime. Depression is a common illness worldwide with more than 300 million people affected. It is the leading cause of disability in the world. More than 16 million adults had at least one major depressive episode this past year. And the research says that it affects more women than men. Yay! <laughs> okay. So when I'm in my office um, with a client, uh, I'm a therapist by trade, when people come in and they say, I think I have depression, or I'm really sad, or I've been down, uh, these are some of the things that I look for in order to give somebody the official diagnosis of major depressive disorder. A couple of these things that I wanted to touch on was that we're going to look for a mood that represents a change from the person's baseline. So if your mood is different, if you're just sadder, if things are harder, we're going to look at that as one of the big criteria for depression. And then another one that I wanted to touch on is change in sleep. Sometimes people think, well, I have depression, I should be tired all the time. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we find that people just aren't able to sleep at all. So we see these huge differences in sleep. And again, it's different from your baseline. Okay. How people describe depression. So on LDS.org, uh, in the mental health section, they have a really great video about people describing their experiences with depression. And so I compiled some of those thoughts, but then I also compiled thoughts from 
um, what I've heard from patients of mine and friends and family members. And so when people describe having depression or dealing with depression, they feel that they're broken. They apologize for everything. They say, I don't want to wake up. So maybe they're not suicidal, but they just say, you know, but if I didn't wake up, I would be okay. Um, they also state that they can't do anything right. They want to give up. They're a failure. No one will understand. They feel overwhelmed all the time. They also feel really angry. Depression tends to feel really heavy. And people report that their muscles feel tired and just heavier. People sometimes think that everyone is against them and that the depression will never let up. They also complain that their body hurts. And someone described it as darkness laying on them. They feel scared and helpless and hopeless, alone, foggy, and also that they feel like an alien and that they just don't fit in. Okay. I like to use humor a lot in uh, not only when working with my people, but also in my own life when dealing with my own depression. So if we're going to de be depressed, let's get tropical. Okay. So what it looks like, the journal entry. December 21st, 2017. I give up. I want to die. I am not a good mom. I yell all the time. I am a horrible wife. I can't feel connected to my husband. I am angry and sad. I am a terrible friend. I am never 100% available to anyone. I can't do this anymore. I do nothing right. I hate me. I'm worthless. Everything would be better if I were out of here. Family would be fine. My kids would suffer, but it's better than having an unavailable freak mom with them who's terrible and bugs everyone. No one actually likes me. It's all just people playing a role. I am a burden to every person. He could get a new wife, one who likes church and is nice to others. I don't deserve my kids. I just want to die. I just want to stop hating myself and feeling so angry all the time. <clears throat> this anger is so deep and it hurts so much. I can't do anything right. This is actually my journal entry from this past December. So I have been a mental health clinician for over 10 years, <laughs> and it keeps getting a little bit longer. Um, but I also, in addition to helping people with depression and anxiety, I also deal with depression and anxiety myself. Um, at this time in my life, things were just really hard. And uh, when depression gets hard, depression tends to um, help you make not great choices. And so I had stopped going to therapy. I had stopped my medication, because who needs medication? <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> and I also, um, I was also not using any of my skills that I had. So, um, and so now when I'm in a better place, and the thing about depression is it never totally goes away. People living with depression, it's a medical condition that people need to learn to live with, and people need to learn to manage, right? Sometimes it's really big and scary, and sometimes it's more manageable. Um, 
So when things are more manageable in my life, I like to look back at this journal entry and um, kind of just laugh at my depressed brain because, again, we have to learn to laugh at our human condition because we do crazy things. We do silly things. And I love this line, he could get a new wife. <laughs> One who likes church and is nice to others. <laughs> um, the thing about that I love about that is that I know that when I have a lot of depression and anxiety going on, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to seek out the spirit. And it's not because I'm not trying to be a spiritual person. It's just that the darkness is so heavy. So, and I showed my husband, he's like, but I don't want a new wife. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> So let's talk about some tools to help manage depression. So there are some things that we can do, we can add to our skills, our coping toolbox, in order to help us manage this medical condition. First, identify the minimums. This is something I do with most of my clients and myself when uh, depression is big and scary and ugly. And so we come up with three to five things that we have to do every single day. This can be as simple as opening up the blinds to make sure the sun comes in, uh, taking a shower, making sure you get out of your pajamas, um, or more complex, like, I'm going to go to work and actually talk to somebody. Okay? The next is self-compassion. And this is something we need to practice more often when we're feeling better about ourselves. Um, because when we're in the darkness, it's really, really hard to have that self-compassion. But the more we practice our self-compassion, the easier it's, it is to have when we're really depressed. Challenging the negative thoughts. Can we challenge those negative thoughts and realize, look, like that's not actually accurate. My husband doesn't actually want a new wife. Um, and then separate yourself from your depressed self. You are not your depression. Your depression is not you. You have depression. You deal with depression. But it is not who you are. Medication. This is a great option for most people. Definitely talk to your doctor about that. And therapy. Because I'm a therapist, I think everybody needs therapy. <laughs> um, but definitely therapy can help you. Um, overcome these challenges. And another thing about therapy is you may not find the right therapist for you the first time. Try it out. If it's not a good fit, there's somebody else for you that will be a good fit. Don't worry, it's herbal. <laughs> okay. Okay, so again, when people come into my office and they're saying, I'm just really anxious, I'm like, okay. So these are the things I look for. It's just a big long list of symptoms and signs that, yeah, you're dealing with anxiety. The thing that I, that I really want to focus on is the presence of excessive anxiety and worry about a variety of topics, events, or activities. So somebody may be anxious about what cereal to buy, what road to take, anxious about their anxious thoughts, and it continues on. So the, the anxiety is pretty widespread. Okay. And the worry is experienced is very challenging to control. So when people are like, just don't worry about it, that's not actually a good answer. Don't say that. 
So let's talk about anxiety. It's more than just a worry. 42 million Americans live with anxiety disorders. About half of those diagnosed with anxiety also live with depression. Depression and anxiety are best friends. There are six main types of anxiety. There's generalized anxiety, social anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, panic disorder, and phobias. And it's interesting because when we are really anxious, our brain has a few different responses. When people come in and they say, I just can't think clearly, I'm so anxious. Well, you actually can't think clearly because when anxiety is triggered, the logic part of our brain shuts down and we're not able to think clearly. And so our brain goes into this primal response and it has a few different responses. First, it has fight. So maybe that's that angry, I just, I got to punch or hit or talk angrily towards something because I don't condone violence. There's flight. Um, I got to get out of here. Let me run away. Freeze. Completely paralyzed with fear. Okay. Fall asleep. I just can't keep my eyes open. I'm so nervous. And then have fun. You don't have to raise your hand, but who here has ever laughed at funeral? Okay. Yeah. Um, I was working with a woman a few years ago, and she was sharing that she uh, was robbed at gunpoint. And she said, during the whole experience, I was laughing hysterically. <laughs> she said, I don't know who was more confused, me or the robber. <laughs> so that's anxiety. <laughs> Okay, so now let's, let's talk about what anxiety feels like. My thoughts won't stop. They just go and go and go. I feel paralyzed. I'm going crazy. I hear that all the time. I feel that sometimes, you know? Am I having a heart attack? That's more when we're dealing with those panic disorders. Um, nothing makes sense. I'm avoiding everything. So maybe we're avoiding opening the mail, taking the phone calls answering the text messages, going to the grocery store. I'm a failure. Nowhere is safe. What if? I'm worried all the time. Why can't I breathe? My head feels full. I feel dizzy. My thoughts spiral out of control. It feels like I have a hundred channels going on all the time telling me I'm not good enough. Okay, so if you don't have experience with anxiety, I mean, kind of visualize yourself feeling some of this most of the time. And we can see why anxiety is so hard to live with. And what it looks like. I just love this picture, it just definitely, I think what I love about it is kind of the spirals and squiggles kind of in the brain, because that's pretty much what anxiety feels like. It just feels spirally and out of control. Okay, so let's talk about some things that we can do when we are dealing with anxiety. Initiate the parasympathetic nervous system. So my really good friend Amy, um, she and I took AP Psych together, and I could never remember the difference between sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And she said, parasympathetic is like a parachute. It brings you down. So 
And so when we're anxious, what happens is our sympathetic nervous system is, is, in, is activated. And what we need to do is we need to initiate our parasympathetic nervous system. We need to be able to calm our brains down. And once we can calm down and relax our bodies, then we can think clearly. Okay? So a few things that you can do to initiate that parasympathetic system. You can put your tongue up behind the front top, behind the top of your teeth, okay? Or you can shove your tongue all the way down to the, to the bottom of your mouth, okay? Just like this. <laughs> and then you take some breaths. What this does is it releases pressure on the vagus nerve, and that can initiate that parasympathetic response. Okay. This is a great one to do in traffic, so now you guys all have something to do while sitting in traffic on University Parkway. Okay. There's also deep breathing. I can't tell you how important it is to breathe. Just like I wrote it on my hand, <laughs> it is so critical to breathe. Anxiety cannot reside in a relaxed body. The more relaxed our body can be, the less anxious we're going to feel. And then bilateral movement. All that means is you're going to use both sides of your body. So that would be things like knitting. Okay, If you've ever met a knitter, they are calm people. As long as they have those needles in their hands, you're like, yes. Okay. Um, if you don't knit, that's okay. YouTube has videos. But there's also things like running, walking, skipping, um, and then there's a thing called tapping. And there's different points in your body that you can tap. Um, one that I love to do is called the butterfly hug. And so all you do is cross your arms like this, and then you just tap. Okay? And those are some things that we can do. Therapy. Oh, there it is again. It's going to be great for everybody. Okay. And then also cognitive challenging script. Can we challenge those anxious thoughts? Is it true? And how true? My oldest daughter, she has pretty significant anxiety. And um, for years, she didn't want me to be anywhere out of her sight because she thought, as soon as I leave, I'm going to get in a car crash and I'm going to die. Not scary or morbid at all. Um, and her therapist said, you know what, Maddie, we got to talk about this. How true is it that your mom's going to get into an, an, a car accident? And so she, of course, reminds me of the time I was in a fender bender. And she's like, well, you, you didn't do so good driving then, did you? I didn't, but I did not die. So, so challenging those anxious thoughts. Because the anxious brain loves to come up with different scenarios. Okay, medication. Again, this is a great option for lots of people. Definitely talk with your doctor if that's something you need. And then the last one is create your calming or sensory toolbox. So one thing that we can do, and one thing that I do with some people um, that I work with, is we come up with a list of different things that they can do with each sense that feels calming and good. So what are two or three smells that you really love? What are two or three things that you like to touch? that feel really soft or good um, and different what are two or three things that you like to look at okay okay so, uh, so now let's talk about how to help those we love 
if we are not dealing with anxiety or depression ourselves, we know somebody that's dealing with anxiety or depression. And sometimes we don't really know what to do. We don't know what to say. Don't tell them to stop worrying. <laughs> but things that we can do is change our language. Let's talk about our language. What are we saying? Are we saying, oh, don't act crazy. You're so bipolar. Stop being manic. Change your language, please. Um, let's just talk about it as it is. Okay, I see your depression's really increased right now. And the biggest thing is, if you don't know what to say, that's okay. Just tell the person, you know what? I don't know what to say, but I want to say something great right now. And that's going to be a lot better to tell them that than use hurtful language. Another thing we need to do is be merciful, non-judgmental, and kind. As caregivers, we also need to recognize our limits. We need to make sure that we are, we are seeing um, how far we can help others and keep those boundaries. Also encourage professional help. When depression is really bad and anxiety is really bad, the last thing the person wants to do is go to therapy. But that is where that they're going to get the most help. Engaging self-care, keep communicating. And President Eyring said, We lighten the loads of others best by helping the Lord strengthen them. That is why the Lord included in our charge to comfort others, the command to be his witness at all times and in all places. Hey, overcoming stigma. So what can you do? If you or somebody you love is dealing with some mental health stuff, educate yourself and others about mental health. If you have depression, learn about it. If you have anxiety, learn about it. And then tell your people about it. Find supportive people. Sometimes when we figure out that we're dealing with some mental health, we try to seek for understanding from those who we're close to when we find out that they may not be able to be the supports that we need. That's okay. But I will tell you there are people out there that will support you. And also, really stop making it a secret. Mental health is not a secret. Millions and millions of people deal with mental health every single day across the world. Rebecca Clayson, she wrote a really great article in uh, the 2016 Ensign, um, I think it was February. And she said, while talking in a positive attitude did help, I had a medical condition that needed to be treated. And Elder Holland, love him, he said, if you had appendicitis, God would expect you to seek a priesthood blessing and get the best medical care available. So too with emotional disorders. Our Father in Heaven expects us to use all of the marvelous gifts he has provided in this glorious dispensation. And Elder Holland also said, Ask for and cherish priesthood blessings. Take the sacrament every week and hold fast to the perfecting promises of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Believe in miracles. I have seen so many of them come when in every other indication would say that hope was lost. Hope is never lost. If those miracles do not come soon or fully or seemingly at all, remember the Savior's own anguished example. If the bitter cup does not pass, drink it and be strong, trusting in happier days ahead. And please, always remember, President Monson said, My dear sisters, your Heavenly Father loves you. Each of you.
That love never changes. It is not influenced by your appearance, by your possessions, or by the amount of money you have in your bank account. It is not changed by your talents and abilities. It is simply there. It is there for you when you are sad or happy, discouraged or hopeful. God's love is there for you whether or not you feel you deserve love. It is simply always there. And Elder Uchtdorf said, Hope, on the other hand, is like a beam of sunlight rising up and above the horizon of our present circumstances. It pierces the darkness with a brilliant dawn. It encourages us and inspires us to place our trust in the loving care of an eternal Heavenly Father who has prepared a way for those who seek for eternal truth in a world of relativism, confusion, and of fear. And I just want to bear my testimony that I know our Heavenly Father loves us. And I know that there is hope. And no matter what your struggle is, we can find that hope in Christ. And it may not come every day, but it will come. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We want to just thank Jonathan Colton for the music. Please remember to like and subscribe so we can keep getting the word out to challenge mental health stigma and increase our mental wellness. Please remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks. Bye.